Injured in a car accident? We cap attorney's fees at 30% of the first million. Any recovery above that is all yours. No recovery, no fees or costs. If another lawyer wants more, lawyer up 904. For accidents, injuries, and more, lawyerup904.com. Come on, somebody. You know, we're just, we're just looking for one more point. Dropping is a blitz. Trevor fires right corner of the end zone. Caught for the touchdown. Trevor Lawrence to Christian Kirk for the score. We're just looking for, you know, guys to make plays. We're just looking for opportunities. They snap it quickly. Pitch it to the right. This is ATN. Inside the five. Into the end zone. Touchdown. A touchdown run by Travis Etienne. And Jacksonville has taken the lead. I think all of that came true today in this game and this is a great team win. That felt great. I mean I think just even the way even the way we had to win to kind of get out of this way. They rut. dropped the throw four man rush. He swings it out of the backfield. That ball's gonna be caught. Now they're gonna try to throw a lateral to the other side of the field. The ball is gonna be picked off in the air by Devin Lloyd. That's gonna close out the ball game. Devin Lloyd tackled to the ground with eight seconds to play and the Jags are gonna win. Uh, I mean, down 17-0 in the first half and just had to overcome a lot. And it really took all phases. Every part of our team made some huge plays. It's not like, you know, the offense or the defense had to carry us for this one. It was just everybody playing together. Nobody panicked when we got in that hole early. Um, and just, it was, obviously it feels good to, to win one. This boy got a hit. 1010XL 92.5 FM presents Jaguars Today with your host Mike Dempsey, Tony Smith, Donovan Darius, and E to the T. All right, good morning, everybody. Happy Wednesday to you. I guess it's still Victory Wednesday, but it's also Eve of the Game Wednesday for the Jacksonville Jaguars Thursday Night Football, the only primetime game on the schedule right now for the Jacksonville Jaguars. That could change. But you got to take care of business. Uh, good morning, Tony Smith. Good morning. Good morning, Double D. What's going on, gentlemen? Uh, what's up with you? Oh, man, all is well, buddy, man. I'm sorry I missed last week, man, but it was good for a great win last week and another win, <laughs> you know, this week. So I think we uh, – hope, hopefully we're definitely on a roll here. Double D, double victory Wednesday is what we've got. <laughs> E.T. Yeah. How are you? Uh, another day, another 50 cent. All right. Well, you, you know, you need to step up in weight class then, I guess. Yeah, and, I mean, yeah. you're – I feel like you're underpaid right there. I feel like uh, the work on this show alone is worth 50 cents, but now you have to do the drill for four hours on top of that. It's got to be a full dollar, I Come think. on, somebody. <laughs> All right. Uh, Rayshon Jenkins, to no one's surprise, your AFC Defensive Player of the Week this week. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, despite some pretty good numbers, did not get the AFC Offensive Player of the Week. Josh Allen also threw for over 300 yards, four touchdowns, ran for 77. Yeah. Had a key two-point conversion uh, rush as well. So, you know, uh, Josh Allen, uh, Trevor would have been the only one with three of them in the AFC Mm -hmm. this year. I haven't tracked the NFC as closely. I doubt anybody has three players of the week. But Josh Allen, I believe, becomes the first with three uh, player of the week awards. But uh, Trevor's been, what, Tony? I think it's Burrow and Mahomes, the other two maybe, that have uh, multiple uh, player of the Week awards this year in the AFC. That sounds right. It was a tough week to win the award, right? With that kind of game from right. Josh Allen, with the comeback with Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings, a historic one happening this weekend as well. And Trevor was certainly worthy of consideration for the war, the award again. And, you know, it's it's one of those things that halfway through the season, Donovan, I'm not sure that we – even as confident as I was that Trevor was going to find it, right, mm-hmm. and take that step forward, and I was hoping to see it in the second half of the season. 
even with that confidence, I'm not sure that we ever could have envisioned that it would feel and look the way that it does right now for this football team and Trevor Lawrence. I mean, mo- most definitely. I mean, I, we always talked about how fast we started this year and how much excitement there was. And then we went on that, you know, that losing streak of what, about five games. And, you know, we just it just seemed like, again, here we go again. And um, we always talk about, you know, good teams and great teams find a way to win in December. And for this to still be a young team, uh, the other day was probably, as I say, probably the best game that they had all year, you know, just just overall. I mean, I was looking at some numbers from an offensive standpoint, and they say it's about 75% chance you can win when you have like a 100-yard running, you know, rushing guy. But when you have a 100-yard rushing guy plus almost two guys with a 100-yard receiving and a quarterback – you know, throwing over 370-yard passing, it's about 85 to 90% win. And so it was great to see them come in, you know, at home, uh, no matter everything they face, building off that week they had against Tennessee, and just put things together, man. I mean, this is what this is what we look for. I mean, I don't think anybody was criticizing Trevor for any wrong reasons. We just wanted him to show and prove and go out there and show us why he was the number one pick. And I think this past week and some of the weeks that he's been having preceding this has really shown us that, yes, you know, why he was picked number one, because he can handle these moments. You know, he can put the production out there and he can help lead this team uh, deep into, you know, to the end of the season. Well, that's what we hope, right? I mean, they're at a point now where uh, you guys were basically in 96, went yeah. out, and you're going to the postseason, you mm-hmm. know, uh, so you can only take them one at a time. Donovan, uh, we'll talk about the matchup with the New York Jets uh, coming up tomorrow night as we go along this morning. John Osher going to join us later on this hour. As a matter of fact, uh, he's going to be on a bus, I believe, at mm-hmm. some point, uh, getting ready uh, the as the team's flying out. Uh, today, later on the second hour, he would not have been available. So we'll check in with John. And we'll also hear from, as we uh, typically do every week, the Jaguar coordinators, not this early in the week, though, uh, but with the schedule, we've got Press Taylor and Mike Caldwell audio along with Trevor Lawrence and Donovan. We'll uh, get into, uh, from a safeties perspective, mm-hmm. just what Rayshon Jenkins is doing mm-hmm. right now. Arguably the best defensive game, single game in the history of the Jacksonville Jaguars. 18 total tackles, two interceptions, including a walk-off pick six uh, to win the football game. So uh, things are going well for the Jacksonville Jaguars right now. Uh, Now, Tony, Mm. historically, uh, in the last couple years anyway, we've done these over the years where one guy has clearly been the best player on the team, right? Or the one guy's clearly been – what the the fan favorite, right? And sure. usually that you know, in the last couple of years, we've done a lot of questions of the day. Other than Trevor Lawrence, mm-hmm. who is the what what what? Who's the player you're most whatever excited about? Uh, what have you? Uh, today, Andrew Wingard joins the chat oh. on uh, on this uh, question of the day topic presented by Chad and Sandy Real Estate. We ask who's the most underrated player on the 2022 Jacksonville Jaguars, other than Dewey. Because we know you love Dewey, and it'll be a Dewey runaway if we just let's just assume that Andrew Wingard is the most underrated player on this football team. Maybe you agree, maybe you disagree, and uh, you can debate that in your comments. But uh, he is beloved uh, in certain circles uh, for sure, and he is a guy that, given the opportunity this year, has stepped up and made plays for this football team. So who are the others that need a little bit of recognition for what they've done this year? We lavish praise. And deservedly so on Trevor Lawrence for the way he has been playing lately. Yeah. Rayshon Jenkins, uh, you know, may even fit into this category a little bit, depending on how you feel about 
how he is perceived, but getting some plaudits this week and well-deserved for his performance on the field. So if you want to get in today with Donovan Darius or uh, later on, 641-1010 on the phone lines and the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures, hit us up on Twitter, at MD underscore 1010XL, at 1010XL Fat Tony, at Donovan Darius, and at IME to the T. Come on, somebody. All right, let's do it. Uh, Jaguars today off and rolling. We'll get Double D's take on the AFC Defensive Player of the Week's performance this past Sunday. Rayshon Jenkins giving that honor and uh, taking that honor. I don't know who would have topped him uh, with that performance that he put out there against the Dallas Cowboys. You're listening to Jaguars today on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Drop the throw. Looking, looking. Fires fill the field, and that ball is picked off. It is picked off by Rayshon Jenkins. He's running it back along the right sideline. That is going to be a touchdown. That is going to be a touchdown. The Jags are going to win it on a Rayshon Jenkins pick six. Are you kidding me? How good is that? Now more Jaguars today on 1010XL 92.5 FM. I'd say pretty good to answer the question. Pretty damn good, Rayshon. Way to go. First pick six he's ever had at any level of football. Uh, 18 tackles. Uh, Double D, you are the safety savant here. Uh, we talk a lot about Andre Sisco, but uh, Rayshon Jenkins, what have you seen from him? Why is he playing so much better this year than he did last year, seemingly? I think just as, as a whole, you know, the, the whole defense coming together uh, with Mike Caldwell's defense, guys getting a chance to understand what's expected on them. Um, as I watch him even more so this year, I'm always seeing him around the ball, which is, which is a great thing. I think he's the guy that they bring down to be that eighth man in the box. They try to flood, the if it's a running play, flood the ball to him as an unblocked player. He tends to blitz a lot or pressure rush. That means when you know his man that's in the backfield blocks, he adds himself. And so one of the things I've seen consistently is him always being around the ball. Uh, the, you know, the game he had the other day is one of those dream games. I mean, very rarely mm-hmm. do you have a guy who who is very high in a tackle count, or, you know, 10-plus tackles, but then also have two interceptions. You usually have one or the other. And so, again, that, that was kind of a reward for him, I think, for the hard work and the consistency that he's provided all year, man, to come out and just to have a breakout game like that, be very involved in the running game where you ha- they have to take account for who and where you're at. But at the end of the day, he also made those plays, man. And um, I don't think we had a, a play like that around here in a long time, especially a walk-off interception. Well, no, I mean, like in historic, it was a historical game in terms of the amount of tackles for a guy to have two mm-hmm. interceptions in NFL history. So pretty amazing. And then to have the second one, you know, end up in the end zone and uh, that's the end of your day. It's pretty spectacular stuff uh, for Rayshon Jenkins. Mm-hmm. So uh, hopefully he can keep it up against the Jets team that likes to run the football, uh, are usually pretty good at it. And, you know, you got a quarterback uh, in Zach Wilson that isn't always careful with the ball. Uh, let me ask you before we go any further on the Jags, uh, before I forget to do it uh, here, uh, today's National Signing Day. Mm-hmm. And it's different now, right? Because you have the early signing period, you've got the transfer portal. So, you know, used to be a time when a guy would sign with his college and you knew that's where he would be for the next four or five years or maybe three if he was an early entry uh, candidate. Uh, I know you've told stories about this over the years, but what what memories do you have of this period of time leading up to your uh, beginning of your collegiate career? I mean, it it was one of those moments where – 
you know, the first time I ever got onto a onto, onto an airplane was when I went to my first recruiting visit to North Carolina State. And so for, for guys coming out of high school, uh, despite the NIL, transfer portal, I mean, just to get the opportunity to play, you know, on a collegiate level and to be recruited is one major thing. I mean, because a lot of guys, especially a lot of friends that I know, uh, we didn't come from great, you know, great bringings and prosperous upbringings and whatever. And so to be able to have an organization, a college, be able to pay for your education, to pay for your dreams, to go to the next level. I mean, it, it was amazing. I mean, I just I remember my five visits that I took was uh, UCL, um, uh, UCLA, Wisconsin, Ohio State, North Carolina State and Syracuse. And so just to be touted by them, to go in and see, you know, uh, you know the stadium, have your name on a, you know, on a, on a jumbotron when they're trying to recruit you and they bring you into the stadiums. I mean, it's, it's amazing. So I'm, I'm happy for anybody that gets this opportunity, especially now to go and continue the game that they love and to go, you know, perform a dream and stuff. But for me, it was one of those things, a game changer in my life. I don't, my life would not have been the same if I had not went through that process. And uh, I had a lot of fun doing it. So uh, I got to know, were you, when you got on that plane for the first time, were you scared? Were I was you excited? I was a little nervous, man. I was a little nervous. I was looking out the window the whole time. And I'm wondering, how in the world is this big behind plane going to take <laughs> off in the air? <laughs> you know, we're rattling down the runway and everything. But somehow we did. And over a thousand flights later, here I am. <laughs> Have you tracked them? Or are you, no, you I haven't tracked them. But I just know it's been a whole yeah, lot. Of, been I've been a flying lot, right? a whole lot of, lot of times. But, no, this is, this is great, man. You talk about with the transfer portal and you talk about with the NIL. I mean, the game has changed, actually. And I was talking to my daughter last night because uh, she's, you know, she's goes – goes to UCLA on scholarship basketball, and she actually just entered the transfer portal. And so it's one of those things now she has an opportunity to, you know, continue her career, you know, somewhere else. And, I mean, those are those are these different factors now, whether it's a transfer portal, NIL, you know, guys, are, guys or girls are looking at this situation not from a standpoint that I'm going to sign with this school and then be four or five years, but, hey, I can end up anywhere you know, depending on how much the deal that they give you for NIL, mm-hmm. you know, depending on the transfer portal. And what I saw last week, I think it was like over 5,000, I believe, guys in the transfer portal. I think when it comes to like football and all that stuff. And so it just creates a whole different dynamic, you know, something that we definitely didn't have to experience. Are you a fan of it? Like, to me, I, I, kids have a limited period of time. People say you should be loyal to your school. Well, look, hmm. you should need to be loyal to your the rest of your life as well. Hmm. Like, you go to college to – Put yourself in the best position to succeed for the future. And if you're buried on the depth chart, you know, yay, college mm-hmm. team. But you want to play, right? So uh, you think the transfer portal has been a good thing? No, I I, th- I think it can go both ways. I think the transfer portal gives you an opportunity to say, hey, if this, if my if my environment and situation and outlook is not totally great here, I have an opportunity to jump into an opportunity for another team. The negative side of that is everybody's thinking that same thing. And so what happened is you're not going through the process of development, you know, which is like, for example, like when I went to Syracuse, I registered my first year, the greatest thing I could have ever done because I had, I was able to perform without the pressure. The next year I was able to play uh, third down and special teams. And then the next year I started. So had I not went through that process and tried to come out maybe my second year because I didn't play and this and the other, I may not have developed. And so I think on one hand, it actually can hurt a player by them not going through that process of developing and going through the grid of working their way up the depth chart. But on the other hand, if there's an opportunity out there where they can actually come in and sign, I think one of the main things, and I know it's hard because coaches can't contact players before they really jump into it, I think if they can find some way to to have an idea of where they may go 
versus jumping into the portal and just it's just no man's land and they're just hoping somebody picks them up. Uh, if they can somehow have an indication, reach out to those schools that did recruit them through that process and see if they're still interested, I think that's better. But I think right now with everybody just jumping in there with the hopes, it really kind of can put you behind the eight ball a little bit. Uh, we're going to have signing day coverage all day long, uh, beginning uh, or continuing at noon today. Mm-hmm. We'll have a lot of players jumping on XL Primetime and all the other shows all throughout the course of the day uh, as those announcements are made to highlight some local players. We don't talk much college football, Tony. Obviously, we don't talk college recruiting on this program, but when you've got a a guy who lived through it like Donovan and everything lined up, it just makes a little bit of sense. Well, here I want to say this one thing. You know, all these people also about the transfer portal, NIL, all this stuff. Here's my take, and I felt this for forever. The NIL came along so that way because the, the NCAA is basically getting about $18 billion a year, you know, from, from college sports and revenue and all that stuff. About $3 billion of those $18, million, of $18 billion is going towards the academics. So people say, oh, well, kids are getting their scholarship paid for and all that. Okay, that's great. That, that's basically an investment for the work that they put in, you know, as they kind of go from there. But there's still $15 billion that are still out there that are coming in because of the labor and the, and the work of these athletes, you know, that's coming in. What I think they need to do if they, hopefully they ever get to this. And I know guys are not going to be on a team long enough to, to create some type of union or be unionized. But if somehow, some way, here's my, here's my suggestion for the whole thing. If they can even say, you know, a 15 or, you know, 10, 15% of that 18, $15 billion that's left. If they just divide that, amongst all college athletes. So that way now these athletes, these student athletes can get a chance to have a little money. You know, everybody gets the same thing. And then the NIL on top of that rewards you for your place on the depth chart, you know, your, you know, your talents and so on and so forth. I just think that it needs to change in some, some way, shape, or form because basically right now the NIL is just a thing where they're giving the control of that money to the head coaches. And they're basically now they're leveraging it uh, for these athletes coming in and saying, hey, you come in, we'll give you a $2 million NIL deal this that, and the other and at the end of the day it, it really hurts the players uh it can help them in a short run but i think in the long run it actually really hurts them yeah mike and i have briefly discussed it this week or the last couple of weeks a couple different times but i'm curious to see what kind of impact the nil and the transfer portal are going to have on the nfl at some point yeah. right these are they're not going to have the same options yeah. right when they get to the league you get drafted by a team they get you under contract for four or five years you don't have – it's like I'm not leaving because I'm not playing, mm-hmm. right? Like you don't have those kind of options. The The money is obviously good in the NFL, but they're getting money now in college too yeah. uh, through the NIL deals. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but I'm curious, Donovan, what the impact is going to be, especially on young players who grow up playing with the NIL and the transfer portal when they hit the world of the NFL mm-hmm. and they say, nah, you're under contract for four years. Deal with it. Yeah, yeah it, it can be – I think it can be a distraction because it, it brings you into a situation uh, with a what if. You know, you're coming in and uh, you're not really fully committed. You know, they talk about players being committed and loyal. It, you know, it's not about loyalty or anything like that. Listen, they're making so much money off of your back and your work and your time. That ain't about loyalty. I mean, you got coaches getting paid $11 million, $8 million mm-hmm. a year. Come on now. And they jump from one school to the next year. So it ain't about loyalty. It's about opportunity. But then beyond the opportunity, it's about, you know, I'm saying your ability to come and to and, and to to accomplish the goals and the desires that you have for whatever next level is, whether it's continuously playing college and going to the league or it's to get your education and go from there. And so, again, at the end of the day, I mean, it is it can be a positive thing, but there's also other sides to it as well.
All right, so Double D, let's bring it back uh, to the topic at hand today. The Jacksonville Jaguars, of course, going up against the Jets tomorrow night. What kind of performance do you expect on the road? Mm -hmm. uh, probably rainy conditions, not as bad as it's going to get this weekend, but, uh, you know, got some banged up guys. Cam Robinson's going to be out. Maybe Foley fought Takasi. We don't know about Trayvon Walker. You know, uh, how do you feel about it? No, I think, you know, it's one of those things where uh, a short week like we have this week, I think actually benefits you, especially after coming off a big win like they had, because you don't have a whole lot of time. You know what I mean? To, you, know, you have time to prepare, but you don't have a whole lot of time, uh, you know, for just time to pass. And so I think the momentum that they have coming off the last couple of weeks will really help them to just try to go out there and try to repeat. I don't think they're going to change the game plan up too much. So hopefully what happened and what worked last week can work again this week. Yes, we do have some of the injuries that we have to overcome those things and with players and whatnot. But I think it, it benefits a team like the Jacksonville Jaguars, you know, going into this week, especially with this short week. All right, we'll find out. Uh, you predicting a Jaguar victory? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we're going to have a Jaguar victory. I know Coach Scott was like, oh, I'm not sure. But like I said, I want to be the guy that you say, hey, I told you so. And so I want them to go up there and I want them to win, continue on, especially in this month of December, man. Just keep stacking these wins and create opportunities for yourself. All right, Double D, uh, what are the Christmas plans with the family this man, week? Man, I got family. My daughter and them is coming into town. And so uh, we're going to have a nice little family feast. I still have my brothers and sisters here in town. So, you know, we just kind of come together, man, and just have a good little time all right well merry christmas to you and you yours too, gentlemen everyone out there as well glad you're feeling better look forward to seeing you next <laughs> week you. let's uh let's extend the streak it's yes, kind of fun do it. when we're doing this let's do it man victory wednesdays i like mm -hmm. it man we haven't had too many of those uh of any kind uh, any victory days but they're starting to become more frequent uh donovan darius on the way out double d thank you very much all right gentlemen all right uh, we got johnny o from jaguars.com on the other side next hour we'll hear from press taylor mike caldwell trevor lawrence among others, you're listening to Jaguars Today. Keep it right here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Oh Knows with Jaguars.com's John Osher. Brought to you by Kingfish Pest Control. Proud partner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. On 1010XL. All right, Johnny O is going to be on a bus in less than an hour. Uh, I take it headed to the airport and off wheels up uh, shortly thereafter. Heading up to New Jersey for the Jaguars and the New York Jets tomorrow night on Thursday Night Football. And he joins us now, the senior writer from Jaguars.com. Good morning, John. How are you? Or maybe I'll just be on a bus to somewhere. Maybe. maybe I don't know. Maybe they're just putting you on a bus out of town. And, uh, you know, you thought it was headed to the airport. And, uh, John, uh, sorry, this has been your final day as yeah, a Yeah, there's been talk of that. And I'm not sure it's a bad idea. But, I mean, uh, thanks for being flexible, though, guys. I appreciate it. Well, uh, what's, the, what's the mood uh, for, as best you can assess? They put the 12-hour rule into effect this week because of the quick <laughs> turnaround. Um, what has been the – focus and attitude of the players uh, that you've been around in the last couple of days. Yeah, I mean, I think it's uh, it's the professional approach you would want. Not surprising, considering you've got a lot of veterans from other teams on this team. Uh, you know, they know that the season is now on the line. Uh, you know, not technically each week, but you need to keep winning. And uh, there's a knowledge, I think, that Thursday games are hard. And I, and I don't think this team has been good long enough to have any sense of, oh, well, it's, it's the Jets. The Jets aren't playing well. It, I don't sense any of that. I sense maybe a little bit of that from 
from fans emails that I'm getting. Hey, I hope, hey, I hope they don't overlook this. I, I don't sense any of that from this team. I, I think there's an awareness in the league now that Thursday games are really hard when you're going on the road. And I, that's sort of the sense I get from the team. Well, you got the short weekend on top of that. They're going to have what looks like is going to be pretty miserable weather for this game tomorrow night up in New York as well. We saw what it looked like for Trevor Lawrence as far as ball security in Philadelphia when he was playing in this kind of weather. We've seen the issues here in the last several weeks for Travis Etienne with the fumbling that he's having to deal with right now. How much do you think that's going to be a factor ultimately in tomorrow night's game? Yeah, I mean, it's so hard to predict. I don't think that Trevor in the cold, I I don't know why. I just don't think that's going to be a, long, a long-term thing. I, I rewatched Philadelphia after it happened, and it just sort of felt like some fluky stuff. Uh, I don't think he's going to have a hard time holding the ball in the cold. Maybe I'll be proven wrong on that. I think the ETN stuff, you know, regardless of cold, regardless of rain, um, you know, it's happened enough now where it's got to stop happening. And I never know how to address fumbles. I mean, how do you explain them? How do you get better at it? You just got to not fumble. But I think with Travis, it is something to watch uh, with the cold ball up there, the uh, the wet. Um, I'd like to think that it's not going to be a trend. It needs not to be a trend, but so far it has been. Uh, John, Cam Robinson, probably done for the year, although they haven't put him on IR, but not going to play this week, obviously. Jawan Taylor has been dealing with a hamstring, limited in practice. Uh, how Concerned or not concerned, are you about the protection this week? Well, I'm actually a little more concerned. This is going to sound weird. Maybe a little more concerned about Dewan than Walker, only because I feel like Walker's going into it healthy. Uh, I don't think Walker is as good as Cam or he'd be starting. But he's a second-round pick who's played well when he's had a chance. So I, I don't think that's a crisis or, or a disaster waiting to happen. Maybe it's a little bit of a drop-off. But we've seen situations where a guy goes in and he just can't get anybody blocked. I don't feel that on that side. What I guess I would be concerned about is if Juwan can't go, now it's not Walker Little going in. It's uh, does Van Lannan step out? Is it a reserve we haven't talked about a whole lot? That's more concerning to me because I feel like Walker Little, the second-round draft pick, I feel like he's going to be good. Like he's probably ready for the moment. And you're supposed to be able to go seven deep on the line. Well, they're seven deep now. You, you know, Statley's playing and Little's playing. That's their depth. Now you have to have unusual depth to get by. John, yeah, it's a football team for the Jaguars that hasn't had to deal with a whole lot of major injuries to this point this year. And they now are getting ready on a short week with having to replace their left tackle. Their right tackle is coming in banged up. And Brandon Sheriff played hurt last week with that abdominal yeah. injury, but that's not a whole lot of time for him to recover to get ready to play another football game. I do think it's at least rises to the level of a concern going into this matchup tomorrow night. Yeah, and Sheriff might be the bigger out of all of them. Uh, might be the biggest one because haven't talked about it a whole lot. I would think Cole Van Lannan goes in if he can't go. Uh, yeah, I mean, on a short week, you're dealing with stuff like this. That's really more the concern with Jawan too. Not quite as much time to recover and get right. So uh, they played well, only gave up one sack last week, but now you're dealing with uh, 
I hate to call it patchwork, but maybe that's what it feels like a little bit. Uh, doesn't feel like Foley Fatakasi is going to be available, but that's you know speculation based on the mispractices. Uh, John, what, what do you on defense? Who do you uh, still have concerns about with their availability this week? Uh, do you expect Trayvon to be able to suit up? Uh, Chad Muma played last week, but didn't play a ton of snaps. So where right. are they health wise on that side? Um, and I'll kind of defer a little bit to logs on Chad Moom. I don't know if he said this on the show the other day, but in uh, talking to Jeff on Monday with Muma, he said it felt a little bit like he could play, but just really couldn't sort of blast a hit. He wasn't quite that confident in the ankle. You would think he'd be back a little closer. I think Trayvon would be, uh, you know, a credit to him for going and being a a really special physical specimen for even being this close. I guess I'd be a little surprised if on four days rest they played him, although he's certainly the, uh, the kind of kid who's going to try to go. It it feels like Fadakasi's the big injury concern on that side of the ball to me. You've been around, obviously, a lot of Jaguars games. You covered the Colts for a number of years. Where does the performance you saw from Rayshon Jenkins on Sunday rank among the defensive performances you've been able to see? Well, I've joked a couple of times. He was obviously named Player of the Week this week. Uh, and I said, well, if he wasn't, who, I mean, I want to see the game if somebody played better than him. You know, I'd pay to watch that. <laughs> I mean, it's up there. I mean, I, I Tony Bracken's in 96, and I think once in 98 against Baltimore, the 96 game was against the Seahawks, uh, made plays that completely turned the game around. Uh, that's rare on defense. It's especially rare for a safety who's not playing defensive end and rushing the passer and having those violent moments. So for a safety to impact a game like that, I covered Bob Sanders in, in Indy uh, who did that a few times. Uh, but it, it was a Bob Sanders level performance. Uh, I'm not going to say Ray Sean over the long term is going to be Bob Sanders level. To me, he's a Hall of Famer if he hadn't gotten hurt. But it was up there. I mean, you don't get that many opportunities at safety to do things like that. And uh, it'll be on the rush more of defensive efforts around this franchise for a long time. Talking there with John Ozier, of course, uh, from Jaguars.com, the senior writer. Johnny O, always in with us on Wednesdays, getting ready to hop a bus to somewhere uh, coming up next <laughs> hour. We we hope Let's that will hopefully <laughs> end up with him up in New Jersey covering the Jaguars tomorrow night on Thursday Night Football. John, you may not know this about me, but I'm a little petty. And, uh, <laughs> you know, that's not many people realize that. But, uh, you know, I've seen in the last year and a half a lot of narrative from Jets fans when Trevor Lawrence struggled as a rookie. We got the better quarterback. We got this. We got that. They know in their hearts that they don't. They're they're trying to tell themselves something that makes themselves feel better for blowing their chance to draft Trevor Lawrence. I really believe that. But this is the matchup of one versus two from last year's NFL draft. So, look, I assume the Jaguars defense is motivated every week. Do you think there's a little extra motivation when they're saying to themselves, hey, we got to make sure that this guy doesn't look anywhere near as good as our guy. Yeah, that feels like a fan thing more than a player thing, mainly because being in contention is so new to this team and, and fresh that I think that overwhelms anything else. Uh, but, it, yeah, 
So, no, uh, Trevor sort of dismissed it a little bit, but I've got to think for somewhere in, inside Trevor after losing to the Jets last year, you wouldn't mind getting back to even against this guy that mm-hmm. you're always going to be compared with. But I sort of think what we're seeing the last six weeks is sort of going to overwhelm that narrative. You know, okay, head-to-head, but it, it sure looks like Trevor's going to be good enough where he doesn't have to worry about pettiness. Although you feel free to be you. Oh, I'm going to be me. And uh, <laughs> I, I will say, you better get him this week because you may not have any more chances to play against Zach Wilson, quite frankly, if you're Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, and that's sort of what I'm getting at. Yeah. You know, Zach's kind of got to turn it around to get back on the same page. I think, I mean, if I'm not mistaken, I think Ryan Leaf beat Peyton in the only time they played, if I'm remembering right. But if not, if it if Ryan Leafs want to know against Peyton, uh, I'm not sure Peyton is really worried about it that much. With the playoff implications for both teams coming into this game on Thursday night, look, we've seen enough Thursday night football games that are just duds, and I do think the short yeah. week has a lot to do with that. But does the playoff importance of this game tomorrow night, do you think, make it less likely that this game is as flat and kind of lifeless as we've seen so many Thursday night matchups this year? I don't think it'll be lifeless. Uh, but sometimes those Thursday games are just sort of ugly because offensively they have trouble functioning because it's just so hard to be efficient on uh, on that sort of uh, rep. That's sort of what I worry about a little bit with this game is you're, you're playing on short rest. You're in what's going to be element. Uh, the Jets are really good defense, and the Jaguars sort of depend on offense. That's sort of the worry that I have with the Jags is, you know, can you get it going in these situations to make it look as efficient as it's been the last couple of weeks? So I, th- I always fear an ugly game on Thursday night just because of those things. It, it's hard to be as smooth as you are with seven days rest. So uh, it, if it's a classic, I'd be surprised. Uh, but I see the Jaguars winning a close one, but I don't know it's going to be beautiful. Yeah, look, their defense is legit, all right, and they can yeah. make that game ugly, and if the weather's not great, uh, that can play a role, and their corners are, are definitely very capable. So, uh, yeah, look, uh, at this point, any victory is a great victory for this football team. All right, John, uh, you got anything popping on uh, Jaguars.com before the game kicks off tomorrow? We'll be doing our our uh, normal stuff, which is uh, tomorrow I do uh, 10 things Jaguars need to do to win. Uh, I got quick thoughts from me and Brian Sexton today. No uh, no huddle up podcast with Bucky Brooks, which is always a blow because of the uh, of the travel. So we're missing that one. Uh, but let's hope it doesn't cost us tomorrow night. All right, John. Uh, <laughs> safe travels. I'll talk to you on the pregame tomorrow. But uh, Merry Christmas to you and yours, and we'll see you in studio next week. Yeah, absolutely. Merry Christmas uh, to y'all and all the listeners, and I appreciate everything, guys. Thank you. All right, there he goes, John Osier of Jaguars.com, at John Osier, of course. On Twitter is where you will find him. I say, of course, but uh, that's uh, where he is at his name. Uh, by the way, uh, those comments that uh, he mentioned Trevor Lawrence making about getting up more for games, I, I, I don't know, man. I would definitely do that. You know there's some guys out there. Tom Brady this day will tell you every quarterback draft that ahead of him. Some guys are like that, no you doubt. know, and some guys are like that and will tell you that they're like that, but we'll hear what Trevor had to say about that coming up in our number two. If you want to get in, 641-1010, uh, the Chad and Sandy Real Estate question of the day asking you, 
Who's the most underrated player on this Jaguars team this year? Other than Andrew Wingard, because we don't need a runaway where everyone votes for Dewey. Uh, whether you would have voted for Dewey or not, pick another one, and let's see who you think are, are some of the more underrated players uh, right now for the Jacksonville Jaguars in 2022. With Tony Smith and E.T., I'm Mike Dempsey, back with more Jaguars today in a moment on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Everything you need to know about the Jags. Jaguars today on 1010XL. All right. Uh, by the way, uh, continued congratulations to all the locals uh, signing for those scholarships, getting a free ride to college, but even more so congrats to their parents uh, for not having to foot the bill. Well done, parents. You got them to this far, and uh, hopefully they'll take it from here. But uh, we'll have a lot of signing day coverage, early signing day, I suppose, uh, all throughout the afternoon here on 1010XL into the evening as well. Uh, let's get uh, one call in here. We're going to get the Trevor Lawrence audio in a moment. Then we'll come back with uh, Press Taylor Mike Caldwell as we get you ready for Thursday night football. Of course, tomorrow's Keys to Victory Thursday, Tony. Got to shift things around yeah. a little bit. D-Rock will be joining us uh, from up there in what they call the tri-state area. Uh, mm. Let's go. I always thought that was Florida, Georgia, and Alabama, but uh, – <laughs> Apparently not. Uh, Chuck on the north side next on Jaguars today. Good morning, Chuck. Hey, good morning, guys. Uh, happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Tony, I'm glad you're feeling better. I thought you may be going to Atlanta to get your dream gig with the play-by-play of the Braves. but uh, you're <laughs> Not back. quite. No, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> no, but guys, uh, I, I don't know if anybody's mentioned this, but evidently I saw this on USA Today, is that a member of the uh, Eagles organization called a fellow named Jeff, ha- Jeff Harris, who owns the Philly's finest cheesesteaks here in mm-hmm. town. Yeah. And they had 35 large cheesesteaks, 25 large fries delivered to the Jaguars office on Monday. I thought that was a pretty cool deal. Yeah, that, well, obviously, uh, you know, beating Dallas helps out Philadelphia. Doubt, and the fact yeah. that it's Doug Peterson who is still, why wouldn't he be beloved up there, right? I mean, you know, brought him a Super Bowl. If Doug Peterson brings us a Super Bowl and then things fall apart and he gets fired a few years later, I think we'll still have a lot of fond memories of I Doug guess Peterson. Would be, yes, we would. That's yeah. a pretty cool thing. You know, and uh, look, Jags fans have done this kind of thing before. Bills fans are known for doing this kind of thing. Uh, Philly fans getting in on the act. And they may have, there may be others. You're like, I don't track them yeah. all. But I did note that, Chuck, and that was a pretty cool deal. Yeah, that's a kindness. Jags fans um, have been the, the group, too, that sends Houston a bunch of trash cans. Right, True. You know, right. Like they've been on the snarky side of that thing too. They have, uh, yeah. but uh, you know, Houston's like, well, <laughs> we need it because yeah. uh, we've been taking out the trash lately. I mean, that's uh-huh. just the you know, can we can we get a victory over the Houston Texans before the season is over? My goodness. By the way, uh, it appears Ryan Tannehill will not be able to play this week. Is mm-hmm. the word coming out of Nashville, uh, and they play the Texans. So Malik Willis, uh, uh, the Texans have been. Very competitive uh, of late. Tone, where, how much kind of a kind of a margin do they have at the top here of the draft? Let me look here quickly on the NFL site. All right, they're one twelve and one. I think Chicago with three. Chicago's got three. Yeah. Right. So Chicago playing Buffalo this week. Assume they lose. Let's say Houston beats Tennessee. Uh-huh. The organization is then incentivized. To not beat Jacksonville. Yeah. I mean, that's the facts, right? And I'm not saying that the players won't play hard because players don't care, but yeah, they, they don't want the to play themselves the last two weeks. Right. right. They don't want to play themselves out of the number one pick no, next year yeah. in a year where they need 
to find the quarterback of the future there. Um, Houston, man, 112-1, bro. I mean, the it, the one, not the one on the back end, it's the one on the front end that is so yeah. disturbing. Two teams in the AFC are eliminated from the playoffs right now. The Jags lost to both of them. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Yet, they still control their yes, playoffs. It's all that, if they win out, all that is like, wow, you know what? We lost six games by one score. Mm-hmm. That If we win half of those next year, legitimately people will be talking about how far into double figures can this team get in the win column. Uh, let's get to Trevor Lawrence next here on Jaguars today. Just a few thoughts from him. Uh, and, um, you know, we, we talked about it with John Osher a minute ago. Trevor was asked yesterday if he does get up more for games versus quarterbacks who were drafted near him. I mean, not really. You know, I think especially – you look at where we're at in our season, like that's that's the feeling every week, and that's how we all feel here. No matter who we're playing, no matter who the other quarterback is, um, it just has to be. That's the way these games are down the stretch. So that's the mindset, no matter what. You know, I think that's one thing that's you can't do as a, as a quarterback. It's not I'm not playing against Zach. You know, I'm playing against the Jets defense, and it's just you know it's it's annoying when people can pay, always compare all that because it's not what it's about. It's not how the game should be played. You know, you just do it. Any, you do whatever it takes to win the game, and wh- whether that's who knows? Whatever that, whoever, who knows what that's going to take? What it's going to take for us to win that game? Out of myself, it could be, you know, maybe we're running the ball great. Maybe we're throwing it great. You know, who knows what that's going to be? But whatever it takes to win, that's the goal. Not really anything else. So, yeah, makes sense. You know, it doesn't stoke that fire any, Trevor. You know, <laughs> but but it's all right. Uh, with one v two in last year's draft going head to head on Thursday night football. We've talked about Trevor Lawrence playing in the rain in Philadelphia. The ball security was clearly an issue in that game for Trevor with the fumbles, and he was asked yesterday what he learned from that rain game up in Philadelphia. Yeah, I take care of the ball a little better. Uh, and that's, but no, I mean, as far as just my preparation, I mean, you, you kind of know what to expect as far as it's probably going to rain, going to be cold. Um, but I think you just approach like any other week, obviously. Ball security is really important, especially in games like that. It always is, um, but especially in, in those conditions. And just be smart, you know, maybe work on it this week, some wet ball drill stuff with the, with the wide outs and, and myself just throwing in those conditions. And um, But, no, I mean, that's really that's really it. That's all you can do. Uh, we've seen the team win in comeback fashion multiple times now this season. And, you know, one of the reasons uh, Trevor Lawrence attributes that to is simply that when they get down or whenever, they just don't panic. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've felt that at different times really throughout my couple of years here, but I would say kind of it all coming together for everyone, not just myself, but just that belief full circle and seeing it consistently. I think you look back at kind of like the Raiders game, you know, being down and coming back and winning that game. That that specifically, I'd say you kind of start to see it happen with everyone. Everyone's got each other's back. There's no panic. Yeah, there's no panic with this football team right now and really – Hasn't been panic in a while, you know. Uh, They didn't get themselves back into it against Detroit, but they certainly did against the Raiders. They certainly did against the Ravens. They certainly did against the Dallas Cowboys. If they get down early tomorrow night, I don't expect that they're going to fold up camp um, against the New York Jets. I hope that it isn't the way they have to do it this week, Uh, right? Make it a little easier on yourself, but the weather certainly will play some kind of factor, so we'll see what early turnovers could do in this football game against the New York Jets. One more here from Trevor Lawrence, who was just asked about, and if you saw the 
uh, video the Jaguars put out, the sounds of the game video, they put out a 15-minute video of what was going on on the field from the win over Dallas, and you saw Brinston Buckner firing up the defensive guys on the sideline. You saw the confidence of a guy like Arden Key standing on the sideline going, go get him, Trevor, is essentially what he said. And Trevor was asked yesterday about the confidence that the defense seems to have in him right now. Guys, they look at me, you know, when we get a stop and we're back up on offense, whether that's a two-minute drill or we're down by a couple scores and we need to score to get back in it, they're looking at me with all the confidence because we've done it before. And I think that's, you know, I had that respect before, but I think now that we've proven that we can do it and I've proven I can do it, it, it adds to that even more. So Let's do it again. Or uh, let's mm-hmm. just win from the opening gun and just pull away. That would be nice too. It's allowed. I'll take the W any fashion, Tony, as long as they come out healthy, right? That's the big thing uh, here. So uh, be healthy to battle. Next week against Houston and on to Tennessee in week 18, but you got to take care of your business uh, this week. Now, again, no Ryan Tannehill. It looks like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the Texans may help you out. You may end up getting more wiggle room. As of now, feel like you got to win them all just to be sure, right? I, You know, if I'm betting, I don't think Tennessee wins each of the next two games, right? I think Houston, I mean, they've been so close in the last couple of weeks against better competition than Tennessee is, and then they have Dallas next week, and we know just how loaded they are. We just saw them, so I don't think they win both, but you can't count on that, so no, make yeah. sure you're uh, you're in position to make Week 18 a winner-take-all type scenario. All right, we'll come back. Let's hear from those uh, coordinators, uh, Press Taylor and Mike Caldwell. Tony will also take you around the National Football League. You're listening to Jaguars today on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Jaguars today on 1010XL. Yes, we are. Uh, Going to be a lot of signing day coverage all throughout the day on 1010XL 92.5 FM. So, again, congrats to the locals that get a free ride. And uh, hopefully you have the great college experience you're anticipating. Uh, we anticipate hearing from Press Taylor and Mike Caldwell. A little dash of Tony Smith taking you around the league. Mixed right in the middle. But we'll start with the Jags offensive coordinator, Tony, uh, watching the film. You know, some are telling you Sauce Gardner's already a top three cornerback in the National Football League, mm-hmm. right? He's playing great. Uh, Detroit did not target him a single time this past week. That's how much respect they have for him. And Detroit's a team that'll throw it all over the place. So, not only Sauce Gardner, but DJ Reed as well. I'm going to get these comments back-to-back from Press Taylor. His thoughts on the Jets' starting cornerback duo. He's got a lot of length. He kind of looks like the old... Like the old Seattle corners, the Richard Sherman, the guys are just long and lanky and able to make plays on the ball, uh, playing with a ton of confidence. You know, I think last week he, they didn't really go after him much at all, didn't really test him, um, which I understand. I, you can see that watching the tape. Um, he's really made an impact early on in his career there. So he's a good player. Yeah, he's played really well. They're built very different, but he's done a great job. He's really feisty. Um, you know, obviously with teams getting more and more attention to Sauce Gardner, that it feels like teams are going after him a little more, but he's risen to the challenge. You know, they're playing really, really well. It's a really good pass defense. I think the stats would tell you that as well. Um, they play with high effort, and that kid's done a great job over there on his side as well. Yeah, that was DJ Reed. He's talking mm-hmm. about uh, second there. Um, you wonder how they will deploy Sauce Gardner against his team. I mean, you know, Christian Kirk's the leading 
yardage receiver, Zay Jones has shown he could be the number one at any given time. Sure. Whoever's not lined up across from Sauce on any given play is probably going to get significant looks in this football game. You would think, and maybe Sauce just plays aside. Maybe he does. You know, uh, that might be what makes the most sense. Yeah, DJ Reed is tied for 11th in the NFL on passes defense this season. Right, playing opposite Sauce Gardner. Well, you're going to get a lot of action. See the ball a right. lot. Yeah. Uh, Sauce Gardner leads the league and passes mm. defense this season, and he's not targeted all that much, which tells not you anymore. just how well he's playing. I bet yeah. they tested him early. Maybe, you know what yeah. I mean? You're a rookie. You're going to get tested, and then when he did break up all those passes, they're like, all right, we've seen enough. Yeah, we've we've done enough. We're not going to play with this fire anymore. Press Taylor also asked about the conditions that they're likely to be playing in on Thursday Night Football with all the rain and the forecast for this football game? Not necessarily. I mean, we're aware of it. We understand that. We understand we we kind of had our own self-inflicted issues uh, in Philly in terms of our ball security. So that's just something we've been aware of. We've tried to emphasize that every single week going in. We've played in games that there's expected rain, whether that was home games or on the road. Um, so that's certainly something we're aware of. We understand we have to do a better job than we did when we saw that three months ago. All right, well, we just talked about a moment ago, you know, some weeks it's Zay, uh, two weeks ago it was Evan Ingram, right? Travis Etienne had a 100-yard game, so there have been different guys, not just Christian Kirk, certainly this year, Marvin Jones, uh, stepping up with a touchdown catch here and there, uh, and Press Taylor just asked to talk about that dynamic, seemingly a different guy is the guy every week. We build a game plan, and really everybody has their plays. I mean, everybody would kind of go home at night and say, oh, I hope they call these three, four, three, these three, four plays it's going to hit. And then it's just a matter of how it works in the game. Sometimes you call it. They probably break the huddle thinking, I'm going to get this ball. Defense plays a certain way, and it goes another place or something happens. Um, I don't know. I think it's more just the, the byproduct of the offense and Trevor operating it at, you know, very efficiently at least, where the ball just go, kind of goes where it's supposed to go if the look's right. If the look's not right, get a completion, keep the play moving or keep the series moving, and, and we'll come back to certain things. So I think it just kind of played out that way where a couple weeks ago, things just found Evan. Uh, last week, things found Zay. But I think it was kind of spread pretty evenly, which we like to see where the, you know there's a couple guys that get six, seven targets, a couple guys around 60, 70, 80 yards. Somebody makes a big play and kind of blows up their numbers a little bit. But that's just kind of the way it works sometimes. Yeah, that was part of the um, Sounds of the Game video again this week mm -hmm. with Doug Peterson in the locker room after the game, basically looking around and saying, for the guys on offense, the ball's going to find the right guy, right? And that does feel like that's where the passing game is right now. And so different guys get different opportunities each week. It depends on the matchup and what's available um, on any given play. They're going to have to make a change along the offensive line. Cam Robinson out for the rest of the season. We'll see if he's able to get back for a playoff run, maybe, uh, for the Jaguars. We'll see about that. But Walker Little stepping into the lineup. Press Taylor was asked about him playing left tackle this week. Yeah, tons of confidence with, with Walker. He stepped in, did a good job. He's got playing experience from last year even to draw on. Um, you know, there was, a, there was a legitimate battle through the offseason, through training camp at the tackle position, and that's because Walker put himself in that position to make that a real competition. Now, we were fortunate that Cam and JT have played so well and had stayed healthy to this point. Um, but there's tons of confidence in Walker that Walker's going to step in and, and do his job. And, you know, I think he'll play well performing next to, to Tyler Shatley as well. Tyler's done a great job communicating with the tackles next to him. So, you know, it's next man up. He's, he's got a job to do, and we expect him to do it at a high level. They say uh, Tyler Shatley's greatest strength is helping Walker Little on the left <laughs> side of the offensive line. I've heard that somewhere, I think. Uh, and I heard John Osher say earlier he's more concerned with, you know, the health of Juwan Taylor, not that he's concerned necessarily with him playing, but coming in 
less than 100%. No doubt. Uh, compared to Walker Little being healthy on the left side. Uh, one more. We talked so much about this. Uh, it's been highlighted by the head coach, by Trevor himself to some degree. I think Press Taylor's probably already commented on it in weeks past, but uh, Trevor Lawrence throws the pick against Denver in London, and it really seems from that point forward, we've seen a different quarterback in a great way, and uh, here is Press Taylor on Trevor's reaction to that London loss. You saw kind of the just dejection in him. We, he came up, I remember him coming up and sitting next to me on the plane for a long time. We just had a long conversation about where we were and all that. But, I mean, I wouldn't have said he was down in the dumpster. He just doesn't seem to have that personality. You know, you, you felt like he would respond. And so, you know, just to watch him work and kind of the way he pulled himself out of that moment, and I think it was just that moment. I don't think things linger with him very long, good or bad. I think he just continues to play and move on. So you felt confident that that was going to happen, and then, you know, you need to see it. And it's every single week, like we said, you know, just because he's had success in consecutive weeks doesn't do anything for Thursday night. You've got to go out and play well. That's what the great players in this league do, regardless of position. The great players show up every single week, and they're consistently great. All right, well, uh, he has been – Great several times in recent weeks, and can he consistently be that going forward? I mean, we know he's the talent to do that. Not everyone's going to have the greatest game every single week, but uh, Trevor Lawrence got a lot of Jaguar fans excited, and rightly so with the way he's playing right now. All right, let's take a pause before we get to the defensive side with Mike Caldwell as Tony Smith takes you around the National Football League. Now, gems around the NFL, brought to you by Beaches Jewelry and Pawn in Jack's Beach. Indianapolis running back Jonathan Taylor has been placed on injured reserve. Will miss the remainder of the season because of an ankle injury he picked up on Saturday. Baltimore quarterback Lamar Jackson did not practice Tuesday, his seventh straight missed practice. The Ravens have placed wide receiver Devin DuVernay on injured reserve with a foot injury. The Ravens also claimed wide receiver Sammy Watkins off of waivers. Chicago has designated running back Khalil Herbert to return from injured reserve. He practiced with the team yesterday. Cleveland running back Nick Chubb did not practice Tuesday because of a foot injury. Green Bay running back A.J. Dillon, who left Monday Night Football with a head injury, has already been cleared from the league's concussion protocol. The New York Giants have waived linebacker Tay Crowder. Philadelphia head coach Nick Sirianni said yesterday that quarterback Jalen Hurts has not been ruled out for playing on Saturday. And four-time Super Bowl champion, including MVP of Super Bowl number nine, nine-time NFL Pro Bowler, member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame's All-Decade Team of the 1970s, 1972 Offensive Rookie of the Year, and Pro Football Hall of Fame inductee in 1990. Running back Franco Harris has passed away today at the age of 72. The 50th anniversary of the play that Harris is most famous for, along with all those other accolades, the Immaculate Reception, is coming up this weekend. I believe I had Franco on once, uh, you, probably with you, mm -hmm. right? In all the times we did uh, Super Bowl Radio Row, um, wasn't an every year attendee no. there. A lot yeah. of the Steelers were, though, from that era. Of course, Rocky Blyer is a fixture uh, there. And he and Franco uh, played in that backfield uh, together. So, uh, you know, RIP Franco Harris, no man. Uh, they'll come for all of us eventually. And uh, one of the legends of the league. There's, there's no, no question. I, I heard yeah. E.T. and uh, Jeff talk about it this morning. I don't think there's any quite. Well, I, everyone to each person out there individually, it may be something else. But I think collectively, the most infamous, famous, however you want to talk about a play is the Immaculate Reception. Yeah. You know, it's got such a great nickname. You know, uh, it's it's got the air of mystery around it. Did Frenchie Fuqua hit the ball before? Uh, Franco caught it or was he the first one to hit the ball? You know, you don't know. Yeah. And you didn't I mean, have they all could the make replay angles. Whole documentaries about that play 
and I'd sit down and watch it. They probably have. Right. Quite like frankly. I'm happy to watch anything about it and all the conspiracies and all that. Like it's uh it's it's beautiful. And Franco is at the center of it, obviously. Oh, NFL's rigged, Tony, didn't you know? They yeah. clearly <laughs> wanted the ball to be uh, maybe within uh, a millimeter of the ground so we wouldn't know still all these years later whether Franco made a clean catch as he uh, dashed to the end zone. All right, let's uh, get to the defensive side. We know one guy who made a clean catch and a dash to the end zone. Sean freaking Jenkins did, okay? I censored myself. Uh, he is your <laughs> AFC Defensive Player of the Week, and Mike Caldwell says he is bringing toughness to this Jaguars secondary. He kind of brings a toughness to the secondary. He's a guy that's physical. He's in a box, and he makes plays. But the thing about him, he loves to play the game. You see him out there. He's always has this energetic look on his face. He's always ready to go, and, you know, he just brings excitement to the team. He may be a difficult guy to put as your answer today to the most underrated Jaguar, mm -hmm. uh, but because he's starting to get that recognition, and certainly when you're player of the week nationally, everyone realizes what kind of performance you just had. But nevertheless, uh, I think very few would have expected Rayshon Jenkins to have the kind of season he's having. Well, he got here last year, and he kept getting those bonehead penalties. Yes. Just over and over and over, and it's like, cut it out. At, at some point, cut it out. And this year, he's cut it to out. kind of calm himself down. Right. And this year, he's just all energy. And yeah. none of the energy is negative, right? Like, it's no penalties. None of that. He's just around the ball all the time uh, this season. Coach Caldwell was also asked about the quarterback matchup they have this week. And he says, Zach Wilson, on the other side for the Jets, despite his up and down season, he says he can make all the throws. He can make all the throws. He's a guy that throws from different angles. He can throw a heck of an out ball, and he's this guy that you see the talent there. You see why he was drafted so high, and he just makes plays for him. We just have to understand that, you know, we try to go out there like we do any quarterback, try to pressure him and get him off his spot and make him feel uncomfortable. And uh, hopefully get him to throw you the ball, right? And uh, Zach Wilson will do that. He can make – look – I don't doubt that he can. He has the physical ability. We've seen the arm. He's got a really good arm. He does. Right? He's got yeah. right now a, a 10 cent head is what he has, and he makes bad decisions multiple times a game. Uh, but when he's on, I mean, he threw for 300 and a couple of touchdowns this week. Um, you know, so he's certainly got the capability of making you look bad if you take him for granted. Right? Uh, apparently, not many people are taking him for granted, though. But uh, Mike Caldwell asked about Wilson and his propensity to turn the ball over. I think he's a guy that has the opportunity to make plays, and he goes for it. Uh, you look at all the good ones. You know, you throw guys open in this league. If you wait for a guy to get open, see if they're going to get picked or you're going to get sacked. You throw guys open, and he trusts his arm, which he should because he can he can sling it, and he goes out there to make plays. Yeah. Well. Hope he's know. overconfident this week. Let's right. Go. Yeah. Six touchdowns, six picks in limited playing time this year. He's played in parts of eight games uh, for the New York Jets. So, uh, you know, it, it, you see it, right? I mean, you know, last year, uh, 9 and 11. I mean, it wasn't like Trevor was better last year mm -hmm. in terms of the ratio, but you see how he's turned it around in a striking way in year two. Trayvon Walker obviously didn't play on Sunday, had to watch that game with the ankle injury. He's been limited in practice to this point this week, so we'll see if he's able to go tomorrow night against the Jets. But Coach Caldwell was asked about Trayvon Walker and saying that he hopes he can benefit from watching last Sunday's game on the sideline. When you do get a chance to step back and watch your guys out there playing and 
put yourself in that same situation or different situations, it also it helps because you you're not out there worried about the call. You're not out there worried about the offensive lineman across from you. You're not out there worried about what situations in the game. You're just watching the game and watching your specific area, and hopefully it does benefit him. All right, a couple more here from Mike Caldwell, Jaguars defensive coordinator, speaking yesterday is uh, Johnny O's on a bus. I just saw it's exactly 1130, so he's <laughs> on a bus to somewhere right now. We wish you the best, John Osier. Um, all right, so uh, a lot of questions this week about what went on with Devin Lloyd, and we just assume, you know, hey, Dak Prescott, it appeared like, you know, from that perspective, it probably felt like he got rid of the football. You don't want to get that penalty. What should he have done in that situation? Mike Caldwell was asked about that uh, particular play where Lloyd seemingly had Dak Prescott wrapped up in dead to rights. When you look at it, he came on a blitz and Dak pump faked it. So he hit him and he thought that he threw the ball, which happens all the time because, you know, if you hit the quarterback wrong or you hit him and you land on him, it's a personal foul. So we talk about being smart around the quarterback. We just have to get him to understand that, you know, let's finish through the play. You don't have to land on top of him or hit him in the wrong area, but you can wrap him up and take him to the ground and don't lay your body on him because that's a penalty. You just roll to the side. But that comes with experience and comes with, you know, it was just a freak play. He pumped fake hard, and everybody in the stands thought he threw the ball, and then he kept it. So, you know, he'll learn from it, and next time uh, he'll get him down. <laughs> it's just funny, like, the contrast of that to Logs talking about when he was playing and basically the mission was kill him. Right. The mission was turn their shoulders <laughs> perpendicular to the yeah. ground and, and, and hurt one of them. Now I mean, let's – Defensive. Not kid ourselves. That's yeah. exactly what he was saying. Uh, it's defensive coordinators going to their plays and saying, "All right, when we get around the quarter act, we got to be careful. You got to hold him up. You got to take him to the ground. Make sure you don't land on him. Roll off him as you're going to the ground. Like all these different things that are in these players' heads mm -hmm. now. Like it is, it is a lot. One more here from Coach Caldwell, who was just asked about having to replace Foley Fadakasi potentially this week. Again, next man up. That, that room has a bunch of players. Uh, Corey's played, Jeremiah Ledbetter. You know, we have guys that have played, Adam Gostis, guys that can play, that can step in. And, you know, next man up, we got to put the guy, whoever's healthy, we'll go with them and we'll go out there and be successful and try to do our best to get it done. All right. That seems to be where it's trending with mm -hmm. Foley Fatakasi not playing uh, tomorrow night, but uh, we will see when the inactives become Official. All right. Uh, today's question of the day presented by Chad and Sandy Real Estate. Who's the most underrated player on the Jaguars currently not named Andrew Wingard? All right. Because we know you love Dewey, as you should. And uh, so we'll go through. We'll give you our pick for that. And we'll read through your submissions when we come back on the other side and wrap things up uh, one day closer to Jaguar football. You're listening to Jaguars today on 1010XL 92.5 FM. You're listening to Jaguars Today with Mike Dempsey, with Tony Smith, and E.T. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Come on, Aiden. Let's go. Who's he signing with today, E? Uh, we're, we're currently negotiating some NILs. Good. So uh, whoever give the biggest bag, right? That's who we're signing You're with. not. You don't care, right? Doesn't matter. Not Doesn't one have to be bit. the Canes. Nope. You know, five. Uh, let's as many zeros as you could put after the number five, please. Come on. Come on, somebody, everybody with that cash. That's down the line for you uh, with young Aiden. So uh, we'll have tons of signing day coverage coming up beginning really 20 minutes from now with XL Primetime continuing uh, the 
day along for all the locals and all the uh, colleges that you care about. Uh, they'll have all the latest on all that coming up here for you. Of course, we are uh, discussing the Jags and the Jets today, and we'll make our predictions and get into keys to victory tomorrow. Mike DiRocco will join us for that. But today, we asked you the Chad and Sandy real estate question of the day. Chad and Sandy real estate multiple offers on your home in three days, or they'll sell it for free and visit them online at chadandsandy.com. Who is the most underrated player currently on the Jaguars, other than Andrew Wingard, because we know you love Dewey, so we wanted some other names in there as well. Before we read through the submissions, why don't we go round table on it with a 10-10 take. 10-10. 10-10 take. Now the 10-10 take with Mike Dempsey, brought to you by Northern Tool. Start solving your projects today at northerntool.com. We're made for this. All right, uh, you know, there are a lot of good candidates, I yeah, think, on this team. It's a long list, yeah. It's a nice thing to have, yeah. right? So, But the one that stands out to me, Tony, and, and probably has for a few years now, is DeWan Smoot. Like, him playing for Trayvon Walker, I didn't feel like there was any sense of concern that the fall-off was going to be that great. Part of that is Trayvon Walker is, you know, Struggled at times to make an impact. He's made some splash plays. There's no question about that. Made a huge play a couple weeks ago against the Ryan Tannehill and the Tennessee Titans. And I hope Trayvon Walker's healthy enough to go tomorrow night. There's no question about it. But Dewan Smoot, the last four years, including this season, has had six, five and a half, six, and five sacks. That's consistency, man. And this is a team that is starving for pass rush. He's physical against the run. Was the highest graded Jaguar player. In this game, according to Pro Football Focus from this past week, and there's a game where you had the defensive player of the week in Rayshon Jenkins. You had Trevor Lawrence and Zay Jones going absolutely cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs on the offensive side. Uh, so, Dewan Smoot, I, I hope they find a way to keep him here in Jacksonville. He is an unrestricted free agent as of now uh, coming up this offseason. But uh, he's just one of those guys that um, may never be a frontline superstar, but when he's on the field – I feel like he can. he's versatile. He can play a lot of positions. He can play on the defensive line. He can play that outside linebacker role in the 3-4. Uh, so uh, I don't think I'll be the only one mentioning him today. Uh, probably not, and maybe this is recency bias, but I'm going with Rayshon Jenkins. Uh, 95 tackles from that strong safety spot this year. He's got three interceptions, including two this week. Two forced fumbles on top of that for a defense that obviously has needed to – turn the ball over, especially here in the last couple of weeks. Rayshon has been around the ball all season long. This week is the poster for it on his season as far as being around the ball, but he's been around the ball all season long. I, again, I think there are a lot of really good candidates to put up for this today. Uh, Rayshon would be the guy that got my vote. E to the T. This is a no-brainer for me. The first person I thought of was rookie center Luke Fortner. Mm -hmm. We drafted this man in the third round, 65th pith overall. Threw him in there, and you hear, hardly hear his name, that, which, is which is a good great. thing. Which is a good thing for that position. He's he's held it down, and he's a rookie, right? Luke Fortner all day long. Yeah, Luke came in, and you know a lot of us thought, hey, you know it'll be Shatley at center because he's got the experience, and they'll bring Fortner along slowly. They put him in right at the beginning of training camp, so this is the plan right here. He's going to be your center. And, uh, you know, I'm sure they kept an eye on it and see sure. if he could handle it. But he has handled it. You're right. Uh, up to this point. And I think a lot of people have uh, mentioned him as a candidate. So let's look at some of the replies we got 
to the Chad and Sandy real estate question of the day about the most underrated player. This is a question we ask periodically, right? You'll ask it in the offseason. You'll ask it during the season. But it changes uh, depending on how guys are playing. Uh, King of the North agrees with you. E, having a rookie center scared him going into the season, but not sure if Fortner's performance warrants most underrated, but he's got to be up there uh, to be sure. Another one for Fortner uh, from Scott. He's locked down playing center as a rookie. Uh, Tyler Shatley for stuff, whose greatest strength is his strength, mm -hmm. uh, as we all well know. And that's another guy, right? Versatile. Tyler Shatley, I mean, Ben Barch was the starter. And Tyler Shatley's like a swing guy that you feel like, oh, if I need to get through a week or two, you know, we're not going to panic with Shatley in there. He's been, I think, very solid this year. And I don't mean that Gus Bradley solid either. I mean that solid, solid. Uh, let's see. Steve uh, from Indian Indianapolis uh, goes with Arden Key. Great rotational guy in the field. Seems like a leader in that position room and locker room. Always talking with guys about what he's seeing, making everyone around him better. Uh, let's see, most underrated besides Dewey would be Tyler Shatley stepping up with the Ben Barch injury. That's from Tommy. Uh, this is how underrated Cobalt Blues guy is. He goes, our kicker, whose name I can never remember, Riley Patterson. <laughs> put some respect on the name, but you got to know yeah. the name to be able to put some respect on it, Tony. So he's been pretty clutch. I mean, Riley Patterson has been very solid mm -hmm. for them as well. Um, you know, from that standpoint, I mean, I don't know if he's underrated amongst the position he plays, but Logan Cook, you know, the last few years when we do who are the five best players on the Jaguars, who are the three best players, Logan Cook would get tons of votes mm -hmm. for that kind of thing. Uh, let's see, Fortner, another one for Fortner. Um, Andrew goes, Jawan Taylor lost his father, fought off competition, and vastly improved. Wasn't supposed to be this good. He's answered the call. You don't have elite quarterback play and dynamic running without him taking this next step. The running, the the run blocking at times has been suspect, but overall, yeah, I think Juwan Taylor is a very strong candidate no doubt. for this, right? I mean, this is a guy that we expected would not be a starter. We thought they're basically going to coronate uh, Walker Little, that he's going to ascend to that spot, and it'll be a walk year for Juwan Taylor. Now we're sitting here going, how can we figure out how to bring this guy back? Foyer Aluakin for JagFan15. I don't know. It's tough for me to put him in the underrated category I, when he's led the league in tackles before he got here, right? And he's probably on his way to doing it again. But regardless, uh, it's your opinion. Uh, let's see. <laughs> Brian says, hard to think straight as a San Francisco Giants fan right now, <laughs> but I'll try. I think it might still be Smoot. Uh, he shouldn't be underrated, but he's a dang good player. Honorable mention to Jamichael Hasty, who has <laughs> stepped up whenever needed. Uh, let's see. Juwan Taylor uh, from Craig. Can we keep him? Uh, Daniel Thomas said, Kevin, that guy flashes on special teams. I don't remember too many misses on defense. Uh, Riley Patterson from Shevin, another for Luke Fortner early in the season. I would have said Zay, but y'all have started to learn like, so who was preaching early in the season that, that Zay, we would all recognize. I think Zay is Zay has probably outperformed expectations more than anybody on this team or most anybody on this team. Right. Mm -hmm. Because you looked at his career numbers and you wondered how you justified giving him that money, but he's been fantastic. Yeah. Look, I'm not going to duck away from what I said when they signed him. What is this? Right. It was the most questionable signing yeah. that they had. Like, why Zay Jones? I mean, that's what I thought when they made the move to go get him. He's been great. Now we're seeing it, right? Yeah. With the exception of the Detroit game, really. And he played hurt in that one, and that's 
probably, you know, what contributed a lot to sure. the, the worst game by far that he's had this season. Yeah. Uh, let's see. The fact we haven't had to worry about right guard after the Barch injury is a testament to how well Shatley's playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Balboni says, I think we're going to learn the hard way this week that it's Cam Robinson. Mm, I hope not. Uh, let's see uh, another for Shatley. A lot of Shat. I'd say Shatley gets the most here. There's some Agnew in here, some more Smoot, more Agnew. Uh, but I would say, and there's a, a Shaq Quarterman as well. Rayshon Jenkins, Arden Key. I would say Shatley got the most votes today, and uh, Luke Fortner probably second is what it looks like. But a mm-hmm. uh, bunch of other guys sprinkled in there. It's getting harder uh, to just narrow it down to one or two, which is a good thing. For the Jaguars. All right. uh, With that, we are pretty much done for the day. Uh, All kinds of signing day coverage coming up. uh, And that begins with XL Primetime. Now, the two-minute drill. Brought to you by Tire Outlet. Keeping 1010XL rolling with wholesale prices and premium service. Tire Outlet. Jacksonville's largest locally owned automotive repair shop. All right, uh, Mia O'Brien is here. Hello, Mia. Hello. How are we, boys? Well, it's uh, Big Circe's birthday. Indeed. So how has he taken the fact that uh, the rumors are Deion Sanders is going to poach that five-star corner right out from Miami's uh, nose? Well, we were just discussing it in our pre-show meeting. Here's my thing. Historically speaking, how many five-stars actually turn into NFL All-Pros versus three or four stars that maybe even a two-star that didn't get – the money and the coaching and the what what have you. I don't know, like a guy like Leon Searcy, who was a two-star heading to the University of Miami, turned it into an all-pro career. And so that that's where my thing is with, with recruitment. And I, I listen, I'm very glad that players are being paid for their name, image, and likeness. That was exploitation on the part of colleges and universities that they weren't getting compensated for that. But now we've reached this point of you're throwing bags at kids that you don't know are actually going to pan out at the collegiate level, let alone into the professional ranks. And so the Cormani McLean recruitment has been such a roller coaster ride to begin with. So I can't say we're surprised. Uh, I know the XL primetime group chat was losing its mind, though, at the thought of a second straight early signing day in which Dion is the storyline once again. Yeah, uh, as long as it's at Miami's expense, I'm all good with that uh, personally. But look, and I understand your point. Two stars, three stars, there are a lot more of them. So you're probably going to get more of them as you're all pros eventually. But give me the better raw material to work with. If you're a coaching staff that can bring that out of a two- and three-star, you shouldn't be able to bring a lot more out of four- and five-star players that are generally superior athletes and talents. So I still want the cream of the crop. And it's nice if you can do it the other way. It's a lot more difficult, though in my opinion. So uh, you guys are going to have a lot of coverage coming up on that today. I yes, imagine. we do. And we got plenty of coverage, of course, on the video and social channels of 1010XL. Obviously, the unfortunate passing of Franco Harris this morning. Um, awful, you know, that it was two, three days before his induct- induction into the Steelers uh, Hall of Fame. And so awful to hear. Leon's got a couple stories about him that he's going to share. And as much as we talk about the Cormani McLean, the Miami now former commit, potentially still going there, recruits crazy journey. How about the Correa news this morning? I, I At first, Mike, obviously you're a baseball fan. When I first saw the news this morning that the Mets had pulled this overnight coup, like I thought I was like still asleep reading these tweets. I'm like, what are people tweeting about? Like he failed a physical. Like how do you pass a physical in New York but not one in California? Uh, he may not have. Uh, I don't think they, they, they care. They might not care. Right. Uh, Cohen's willing to yeah. – he's, he's got enough money. He's the willing Mets to have light it on fire. But they're still the Mets. After this offseason, $1.3 the last three years. They're still the Mets, Hicken. Yeah. They're still the Mets. They're still the Mets. It doesn't matter. Yeah. You're I can just tell you be, as a Braves fan, I'm not scared of the Mets. You're, you're just going to be that much more disappointed yeah. when your payroll is that large and you're still 
the freaking Mets. Yeah. So I do love Steve O on Twitter though. He's so great. Yeah. He's so great. This is this is the one that's gonna take us over the top. This is the one I, I get a kick out of him. Sure but, it yeah. is. Yeah, we'll dive into that and a whole lot more coming up next on XL All right, Primetime. have a good show. Thank you. There you go, me, O'Brien, uh, coming up next with the XL Primetime crew. That'll do it for us today. Thanks to Donovan Darius for stopping by, along mm-hmm. with John Osier as well. All of you out there in Radio Lane, glad we could bring you the thoughts of uh, Press Taylor, Mike Caldwell, and, of course, your quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, as well. Back tomorrow with the Breakfast Bowl, game day coverage all day long. Well, keys to victory. D Rock will join us from the site of the game for Tony Smith and ET. I'm Mike Dempsey. Thank you for listening to Jaguars today. Keep it right here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. So, guess what? 1010 is popping, and there won't be no stopping. Bang, bang, bang.